South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program, The Remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan and Sudan this Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Authorities in South Sudan's capital, Juba, prepare for the arrival of Pope Francis on Friday. The major runabouts that you know of in, uh, in within the town, the places of worship, they'll be given extra security. And South Sudan Vice President calls on residents of Juba to get COVID vaccinations. A few are turning up, but they come with the, like, they have fear with a lot of questions. That they have had that the, the vaccine can have effect that will not produce like a man, I will not be strong as a man. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The South Sudan government has deployed 5,000 joint security forces across the capital, Juba, ahead of the visit of Pope Francis, the Anglican Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and the moderator of the Church of Scotland, Ian Greenshields, tomorrow. Officials told reporters the force will maintain law and order. For VOA News, Wake Simon would report from Juba. South Sudan Army spokesperson Major General Lulroy Kuang and Major General Daniel Justin, the South Sudan National Police Service spokesperson told the reporters on Thursday at the Boluk Police Headquarters Ground, 5,000 joint forces comprised of police officers, army and national security personnel have been deployed across the capital to ensure there is maximum security and a public order during the three-day visit of the religious leaders. They will be deployed right away from uh, the airport. Uh, the major runabouts that you know of in, uh, in within the town, the places of worship, they'll be given extra security. And we made it very crystal clear to our security forces to cooperate with everyone to ensure that uh, this operation at the end of the day becomes a very successful one. Kuang says officers have been instructed to maintain maximum discipline while on duty. On the same line, we'd also would like to appeal to members of the public that you also cooperate with security force. If they are asking, if they are trying to search for your vehicle, allow them to do the search. But you resist any illegal act. You have the right to resist and report any illegal act that is being carried out. Police spokesperson Major General Daniel Justin says people should not hesitate to report to authorities any unruly behavior. If there is something done to you, don't say you are far up to the logo, thinking your issue cannot be handled. No, there is a commanding officer and officers. You report to them. If not, you report to us specifying the time and the date. We will know and the law will take its course. General Justin says a number of roads within Juba may be restricted during the three-day visit. South Sudanese policy analyst Boboya James welcomes the beefed-up security arrangements. In South Sudan, usually, you know, when a, no- a good number of uh, soldiers or security forces being deployed to a town like Juba, in their thousands, they have a lot of implications because sometimes, you know, 
civilians have been harassed, uh, extortions happen, you know, people lose properties, you know, things like that. So what we wanted to really urge these security forces, especially the police and army that are supposed to maintain law and order uh, throughout this, this period, is to really have a high level of restraint. They should really be able to protect the civilians and they shouldn't harass them. Jamie says leadership of the security forces need to work up to their tasks and ensure that their officers maintain their required discipline in the course of their duties. We have seen today, uh, since yesterday, a good number of traffic police harassing border border people, harassing the people driving vehicles, asking them, you know, for, for to be given money by force, and it creates anxiety in the lives and the situations of the city dwellers, and this creates confusion and this creates lack of interest in people coming out to receive, you know, the high-level church leadership. Pope Francis and the other two religious leaders are due to arrive in Juba tomorrow. The pontiff has been in Diara Congo since Wednesday. For VNO, Zamwak Simon Wudu in Juba. The United Nations Interim Security Force for Abyei says renewed intercommunal violence is threatening the security situation in and around the southern part of Abyei. In a press statement yesterday, the UN mission said a cattle rustling incident resulted to the death of 18 people and nine others were injured on January 27. For VOA News, Dengai Deng reports from Juba. Daniel Adekera is spokesperson of the United Nations Interim Security Force for ABA, or UNISFA, says the latest deadly cattle raids occurred on January 27th, according to local officials. Adekera says youth from the ABA box allegedly attacked the villages of Makwaj, Tongliet, and Makwebum in Twitch County. UNISFA strongly condemns this attack, regrets the loss of lives, and calls for the immediate disarmament of armed youth in the general area and enjoins the two communities to restrain from engaging in further arms conflict and join us with UNISFA, armies and the government of South Sudan in finding a lasting solution to the crisis. Adekera says UNISFA is concerned that such attacks are likely to lead to a spike in the conflict between the two communities of Abia and Twitch County of Warabi State. Unisfer interests its commitment to the implementation of its mandates and readiness to work with the local authorities to find an inclusive solution to the conflict in Abia. Unisfer is also working closely with humanitarian partners to facilitate humanitarian access to the affected population and protect the rights of the most vulnerable, in particular women and children. The UN mission says the incident is the latest in a string of attacks that have escalated in security in the southern part of a BA box. On January 5, armed young men from Three County attacked Rumamir village, which left 14 people dead and four others injured, said the UN. UNISFA says the fighting has negatively impacted the livelihoods of the local residents and has displaced thousands. Ajak Deng Mian, spokesperson of the ABA Special Administrative Area, says he has been out of the area so he has no information about ABA youth who reportedly carried out the attacks.
William Wall, Warabe State Information Minister, confirmed the attacks in Twee County, saying they were carried out by suspected gunmen from a BA. But we had the attack on day 27, Friday, last month, in the, in the area called Wariel. 15 people were killed and 400 fatals were raided in the area. These 15 killed, one is a woman, and uh, 13 were wounded also in the same incident. So the government was informed and we are investigating this. For sure we are suspecting the area of VA. Wall says the governor of Warabi State is attending Pope's visit in Juba and will head to Abia after this weekend to meet with authorities there over the incident. He says Warabi State officials are telling communities of Twitch County not to carry out a revenge attack in the Abia areas. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaideng in Juba. South Sudan's National Health Ministry is calling upon South Sudanese to get COVID-19 vaccinations, saying coronavirus is not yet over. Vice President for Service Cluster Hussein Abdelbagi, a call is threatening to increase the prices of PCR tests in the country in an effort to convince more people to get vaccinated across the country. Only 17% of South Sudan's population have been vaccinated. For VOA News, Manyang David Mayar reports from Juba. Lona Wilson, who vaccinates people at Juba Teaching Hospital, says Juba residents are still reluctant to get vaccinated. A few are turning up, but they come with the, like they have fear with a lot of questions that they have had that the, the vaccine can have effect that will not produce like a man. I will not be strong as a man. Then all in all, we begin to tell them the reality. We say all that one you hear from the, the resident, the areas you have been staying, but come to vaccine has nothing can affect you. We give example on um, a childhood. You see a baby has been born. Then right from the day the baby has been born, it has been given a vaccine. Wilson says only people traveling abroad or under pressure because they accepted scholarships outside the country come for vaccinations. She says yesterday only 35 people came to get the shot, a low number compared to those seeking vaccinations last year this time. 40-year-old Ayom Ayom, a South Sudanese who received his COVID-19 jab last year, says he had no side effect. There's no side effect. And uh, I feel the same. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that rumors can can be reality. Yeah. You perform as uh, usual. Things are working well. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. I'm still performing. And uh, I'm still producing. There's nothing wrong. Uh, I would like to advise uh, them that uh, you should uh, get vaccinated so that you protect yourself. South Sudan's Health Ministry, in collaboration with the World Health Organization and UNICEF on Saturday, launched a new nationwide COVID-19 vaccination campaign. South Sudan Health Minister Yolanda Wilding says receiving a COVID-19 shot is an act of national duty. Taking vaccination boosts your immunity, which in turn contribute to the collective responsibility of protecting our nation through herd immunity. Herd immunity is a collective responsibility. Herd immunity is peace and accountability to this nation. You do your part to protect yourself. 
In turn, we will protect the nation. In early April 2020, South Sudan confirmed its first case of COVID-19. Over the last two years, 18,350 people tested positive for COVID-19. 138 people have died of the virus in the country. Fabian Indenzako, country representative for the World Health Organization, says although fewer cases are being reported, the virus is still around. We may think that COVID has gone. No, COVID is still with us. We have to continue putting more efforts to make sure that our population is really uh, protected. Good news, we have received vaccines, really adequate vaccines, for us to be able to scale up vaccination in this country and really let us work together to make sure we can make these vaccines uh, be uh, administered. South Sudan has 2.4 million doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccine available. Denzako says since the COVID-19 vaccine was rolled out in April 2021, new cases have been reduced by 97% and hospitalizations from COVID cases have been reduced by 99%. Despite the effectiveness of the vaccine, the Ministry of Health says only 17% of South Sudan's 12 million population have been vaccinated. Denzako says that is not enough. We are still far from the global target of having our eligible population vaccinated at 70% to really increase the community uh, immunity for us to be able to uh, be protected from COVID-19. We still have very low coverage of COVID-19 vaccination in vulnerable populations. For example, in our IDPs, the coverage is still at 3.5%. We need to beef up our efforts. In the populations with the comorbidities, our, our coverage is still at 19%. Hossein Abdelbadi Akol, Vice President for the South Sudan Service Cluster, says there is a lot of misinformation circulating in communities, which sometimes involves religious leaders. One of them came to me in my office and he told me that please, I want you not to put your people in the risk. So I want you to stop this vaccine to your people because what they are doing is they are doing the those who, who may be vaccine, they, they, they are preparing to, to downsize the population of South Sudan. So please, I want you to, to stop this immediately. I was laughing. By downsizing, a cold meant people believe the COVID-19 vaccine could cause infertility. A call has threatened to increase charges for PCR tests, saying some people are reluctant to get vaccinated due to the negative test results, which enable them to travel abroad. He equally encourages those who have already been vaccinated to get booster shots. Hamida Laseko, UNICEF country representative, says the COVID-19 vaccine should be integrated into regular immunizations. There is a need to continue to provide support towards integration of COVID-19 vaccination into routine immunization services. And South Sudan has started to do that, but we need to support more to strengthen the cold chain 
for routine immunization services, particularly in the most remote areas where it's very difficult to reach the children and women by improving logistics to the last mile delivery of the vaccines in the country. Lasego says in particular, services need to be beefed up in remote areas where it is difficult to reach women and children. For VOA News, I'm a young David Mayor in Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. The UN mission in Sudan is calling on authorities to implement the Juba Peace Agreement. Find out why after the break. For. I'm thankful for life, the fact that I am able to live a full life and be able to do the kind of things that I want to do. I'm very thankful for my life, my children, and my job. My job helps me to get money. I'm very, very thankful for that. I thank Allah for my life and for my parents. I'm grateful because I've attained at least education. Uh, the education is going to help me get a job and get other opportunities in life. I'm thankful for my family, my friends, my husband, my children, and all the lovely friends of mine who have been helpful to me. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. The U.S. Department of State released a statement Wednesday expressing deep concern over Sudanese authorities' release on Monday of Abdelrouf Abu Zaid, one of the individuals convicted in 2008 of murdering a U.S. citizen, John Granville, and his Sudanese colleague at the United States Agency for International Development. Abdurrahma Abbas Abu Zaid is designated by the U.S. as a global terrorist. The State Department says it is deeply troubled by the lack of transparency in the legal process that resulted in the release of the only suspect remaining in custody. As Nabil Biagio reports, there is confusion around the release of Abu Zaid. In a statement released yesterday, State Department spokesperson Ned Price said the United States expresses our deep concern over the January 30 release of Abdurraouf Abu Zaid, one of the individuals convicted of the 2008 murders of our colleagues John Granville and Abdurrahman Abbas. Abdurraouf Abu Zaid remains a specially designated global terrorist. This statement further denies claims by Sudanese officials that the release was agreed to by the United States government as part of Sudanese government settlement of victims' claims in connection with Sudan's removal from the state sponsors of terrorism list in 2020. Sudanese diplomatic sources told South Sudan in focus that the compensation for the family of Granville was covered in a $335 million settlement in 2020 where Sudan paid survivors and victims' families from attacks including the 1998 bombings of the U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania by Al-Qaeda, which was backed by Sudan's longtime president Omar al-Bashir. Following the settlement, the Trump administration removed Sudan from the U.S. state sponsors of terrorism list. 
Senior Associate of the Africa Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, Cameron Hudson says, although Sudan paid compensation to Granville's family, the lack of transparency in the process that led to the release of Abu Zaid raises questions about justice. Sudan paid compensation to the families of John Granville and his driver. That is true, and that was part of the part of the deal to remove Sudan from the terrorism list. That did not, at the same time, obviate the need for Sudan to hold this person accountable. And so I think the question is, why was this person released now? South Sudan in Focus reached out to Sudan's acting Attorney General Khalifa Ahmed for clarification on why Abu Zaid was freed. But Ahmed said he has no knowledge of the circumstances surrounding Abu Zaid's release by a Sudanese court on Monday. Cameron says the release of Abu Zaid without transparent due process is an insult to his family in the United States. They did not understand how this would be perceived in Washington. Um, and that uh, has been a defining feature of, uh, of Sudan's behavior over the past 30 years, uh, that it commits these offenses, uh, which it never seems to understand uh, will be an offense in Washington. And, and it is, and it sets back the relationship. And so, um, you know, I view this uh, as in fact very consistent with a whole uh, history of um, missteps by you know military regimes in Sudan uh, that don't understand the implications of their actions. The Department of State says it will continue to seek clarification from Sudanese authorities about the move. Again, Cameron Hudson. The United States government would never uh, trade accountability for the murder of one of its diplomats for a few million dollars. That's blood money, and the United States would not accept, you know, blood money for the release of of the, of, of, of someone who we've defined as a terrorist. We've said that these people are, are, are terrorists. Hudson says the U.S. has every reason to be deeply concerned by this development and should continue pressing Sudanese authorities for an explanation. Price said in his Wednesday statement that the department's rewards for justice program managed by the Diplomatic Security Service has a current reward offer of up to $5 million for information leading to the arrest and or conviction of Mohammed Makawi Ibrahim Mohammed or Abdul Basit Al-Haj Al-Hassan Haj Hamad, two other individuals responsible for the murders of U.S. Agency for International Development employees John Granville and Abdurrahman Abbas. Granville and Abbas were shot and killed by gunmen while driving home from a New Year's Eve party at the British Embassy in Khartoum in 2008. For VOA News, I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. Still in Sudan, the head of the United Nations Integrated Transition Assistance Mission in Sudan says the implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement has been slow due to unrest in Sudan and the delays created by mistrust among the signatories to the agreement. For VOA News, Michael Atit reports from Khartoum. He's speaking this week during what is expected to be the final phase of the political transition process in Sudan. Unitam's chief Volker Perz said 
A year of political unrest in Sudan after the October 2021 military coup has negatively affected efforts to fully implement the Juba Peace Agreement. Perts called on Sudanese forces to abide by the provisions of the agreement to bring peace and stability in the country. He says the Sudanese people have always hoped to see the fruits of the Juba Peace Agreement, but due to mistrust among its signatories, the implementation has been dragged out. The implementation of the agreement was very slow, or it has not been implemented at all, and the political situation in the country has complicated the situation more, which created mistrust in the country, and even fresh violence has been witnessed in some parts of the country. This week's conference is the final phase of the framework agreement, which was signed by the Sudanese military officials who stayed the coup and number of political parties called on holdout groups to join the process so that a democratic transition is restored in Sudan. There is an urgent need to see to it that the Juba Peace Agreement is fully implemented. There is need for all the signatories of the agreement to work hand in hand to fulfill their promises to implement the deal. The international community is also here, reminded to support efforts to the full implementation of the Juba Peace Agreement. Al-Hadi Idris, interim chairman of the group of Sudanese armed forces that signed the deal, vows to fully implement the agreement despite ongoing challenges. Idris, who serves as a member of the Sovereign Council as part of the agreement, says all forces must work together for better Sudan. Sudan at the moment does not tolerate the continuation of breaching the agreement and the treaties once again. That's why we would like to create a new path so the new government shall fully implement this agreement. Some political parties charge the process is not inclusive. Idris Lugma is a prominent member of the Forces for Freedom and Change, the democratic bloc of pro-democracy groups who refused to sign the framework agreement in December. Lugma says the democratic bloc will not take part in any unilateral political process forced upon them by other outside interests. There is a group of political parties which do not have the legitimacy to decide the fate of the Juba Peace Agreement. This agreement has been signed with the international guarantors, including the United Nations and other regional groups. The framework agreement stipulates that unresolved issues regarding the Juba Peace agreement such as security reforms and dismantling elements of former long-time president Omar al-Bashir's government will be worked out in the second phase. Michael Atid for VOA News, Khartoum. Reuters reports that an Israeli delegation has arrived in Sudan to discuss the normalization of ties between the two countries. Khartoum agreed to take steps to formalize ties with Israel as part of a deal in 2020 brokered by the Trump administration for Israel to also normalize relations with the United Emirates. Bahrain and Morocco. This week, Israel announced it will open an embassy in Chad. The announcement came during a two-day trip to the country by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is working to improve ties with African and Muslim countries. Israel's Foreign Minister Eli Cohen, who visited Sudan in 2001, said he would convene a news conference this evening. Sudan's military government is seen as having led the move to establish ties, but civilian groups say 
any deal has to be ratified by a transitional parliament that will lead to civilian elections. That's all we prepared for you this Thursday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with some traditional actually song from Eastern Equatorial State. some traditional Acholi song. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.